welcome to another episode of the Loon Tea Podcast. Uh, we're joined today by Mike, who, who uh, you, he, was, he was here back in episode 12. Uh, we're making this into a two-part series, and uh, yeah, let's, let's get into it. So I think let's just write, like, right into it, crypto, all that, all that oh, stuff. Heartburn. Heartburn. Yeah. Crypto, blockchain, what are they? Oh God, <laughs> Ethereum, Bitcoin, uh, what are we doing? And let's, hopefully, hopefully we can be, uh, the goal is to be huh. not super confused by the end of it, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll take a bet that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so confused. Uh, oh, and then also, uh, this is potentially an opportunity to to uh, help Dr. Mike see the value of Bitcoin as a as a totally great, which is investment. at let's see, thirty six four right now. Wow, that's great. I wish I had money. Oh, Ethereum's 23.6. And by 36.4, you mean 36,400 for Bitcoin? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 2300? 23.66, yeah. For Ethereum. Yeah. What a day. Ugh, What's the day me. today? Today is Thursday, Friday? The 21st? 21st. 21st. May 21st. Yeah. Oh, so goodness. we just survived the crypto crash of May 2021. Bear market. Crash, but yeah, it was, uh, it was nasty. Nasty, nasty. I don't know. I feel like if you've been in the space for four years, then it's it was it's, it's a, it was a lot to see fifty percent drop, but it was also just like, no, oh, like yeah, like you can you, you can expect anything. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, it's pretty true though. That's something that I found to be really interesting is a lot of the people who are kind of the first time around the crypto circle it goes up you get in on the hype and then it goes down 30 50 70 90 yeah 2017 and then and then yeah. it comes back around but now i think it's getting more support and stuff like that and a lot more innovations are coming out i think it's it's gone from this much up and down to this much up and down which is a massive improvement so you're riding that yep that lightning you know exactly oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been in crypto for somewhere between 15 to 20 minutes relative to you guys. You guys are like old hat at this, um, but I am fascinated, completely and utterly fascinated by this whole thing. It's, it's remarkable, uh, world changing. It will be, I can, I can absolutely see the fact that this is gonna change the world. And my conviction in that comes from how this novel approach to exchanging value is going to solve some wicked business problems for the business world. And then, you know, on, on uh, a personal side, just make life easier. It's got a ways to go to make life. It's confusing as you know, bleep, but uh, once that is no longer confusing, it's going to be spectacular. Totally, totally. Where do we want to start? Um, uh, I'm kind of curious how you got interested in this space. I know, I know, uh, with your own businesses, uh, there are certain pain points that you have with pain, uh, with payments, uh, and working with banks. Uh, maybe do you want to, do you want to talk about your businesses and, and like what those pain points were and then maybe like why, like. Yeah. Why did you care about it? Well, uh, to start off, I, um, I'm an investor in Ethereum. I don't have Bitcoin and I don't have any of the other gazillion different types of coins. So, you know, my bias will come, will be apparent shortly. Um, on the business side of things, it wasn't designed, like I didn't move into this for the businesses as of yet. I don't think it's mature enough or anywhere close to mature enough to roll out a crypto solution that is friction-free into an optometry clinic, like a, a brick and mortar business or a billboard company or a software company or anything. Well, software, yeah, that's a little easier, but uh, brick and mortar, no, it has to be friction-free. You take your credit card, you swipe it, magic happens, and they let you leave with a product without calling the police. 
Now, what happens behind the scenes? Who knows? Who cares? I got to leave with the, we were talking yesterday about the magic case of beer, right? Like when a, a person can take their phone and pay for their case of beer and leave with a case of beer, that's success. And Apple Pay just launched and Apple Pay doesn't even work properly a lot of the time. So the Bitcoin, the Ethereum, all of the crypto side, using it for payment in the business, that's got a ways to go. The converse of that is that's opportunity, right? So if you're here and you have to get here and you can invest at this level and these people have a really awesome chance of getting you to this level, then where's that alpha? You know, the gain on your investment in between there and there. So I wish I got in a lot, lot, wish I was far more open-minded and got in a long time ago. That's a regret. I have very few regrets in life. That's one of them. Don't, well, don't we all regret it? <laughs> well, not, not from the, I just, I wasn't, I don't fully grasp, and this is where we were battling yesterday. I don't fully grasp the value of Bitcoin. I get Ethereum reasonably well at a, probably like a grade two level and I'm going to level up to grade three and keep going. Um, but I didn't know about Ethereum. I only knew about Bitcoin, but I couldn't figure out the, the raw value of uh, Bitcoin. And so I didn't get into it. I do, I think the blockchain concept is magnificent. One person was saying, I don't know who said this, but imagine if all the property records in the world were on the blockchain. And you're like, well, what do you do? Well, I just sold a piece of property. We had to do a title search. That took two weeks. We had to go down to the courthouse. Somebody did, not me. An abstract company had to go to the courthouse. And they must wear dust masks because they have to go through papers, like 50, 100-year-old papers and make sure all... And it's like, oh, I'm already sleeping. It's That's the biggest cure for insomnia I've ever heard of. But imagine that was all on the blockchain and you could just type into your software and magic would happen and out pops the the thumbs up or thumbs down yeah. bada bing bada boom yeah. everything's in the blockchain that would be cool so i'm curious yeah. about the fact of what you said you knew about you said ethereum and bitcoin but you chose to buy into Ethereum. No, i didn't know about ethereum until relatively recently okay so when you knew about bitcoin you kind of maybe just kind of got confused or too much and you didn't invest but then you looked into ethereum and for some reason something clicked what is it that was different that made you say, oh, Ethereum, let me throw uh, at least a dollar into it and become an investor rather than when you first heard about Bitcoin. What does it do? It has to do something. Like uh, the crypto people are totally cool with putting money into Dogecoin or what's the other one? The Shiba? 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 Oh, Is it Shiba? Let's not talk about Shiba no. at all. But, but do not look that up. I don't know. I don't actually. Here's the, the point. You've got a you've got a thing that has assigned value to it by somebody who almost certainly is not a superbly ethical individual. And it is listed for people to buy, and then they spend their hard-earned money on it based in the conversations I've had. If I've got a hundred conversations with people. The number of folks who have done an investment or have done research on the coin that they bought out of a hundred, probably about three to four. So that's telling me that you have your, oh, I just can't even imagine how many people just plug money into something because somebody told them to do it. So one of the people here bought one ether because I told him it was a good idea. And I'm like, that's 2,800 bucks. And you did it standing at the front door of the hotel in 10 seconds because I said it was a good idea. What would they the hell do I know? Yeah, like, what do I know? You know? You're a doctor, Mike, my friend. Yeah, but I'm not a financial. <laughs> I'm not a financial. Leader. We are not a financial advisor. Disclaimer. But the, the reason that I looked at Ether was that. You, I'm, as I told you guys before, I'm old enough to remember when the internet was starting up and I got an email address and 
nothing worked properly and you could go to a website and the website would most of the time be there, right? And most of the time it would work. And most of the time it would deliver some type of value to you. And the value sucked because it hardly did anything, right? It was a page with typing on. And then this thing called Flash came up. Oh, like it was incredible. Flash did things. Like you could, I made a software product out of Flash. Um, it could accomplish some level of like low end goal with Flash. Now, by today's standards, it sucks so bad they have to turn it off, but it was something back then. And this crypto stuff, Ethereum in particular, I looked, I looked, I looked at all of these different types of cryptos and they, to me, mentally, they fit in baskets. Um, Bitcoin is its own basket. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's got a ton of advantages and I still don't understand its value completely. The Ethereum is kind of boring. Like up until really recently, it's just kind of been there coming along. And then you have all of these other coins, Dogecoin, Shiba, um, these other ones that are really exciting and everybody's talking about them. And you're just waiting to open Instagram and Kim Kardashian is holding up a little sign that says buy whatever. And it, it's pumped and it's pu publicized. And what does it do? But actually, what does it do? At the end of the day, Great question about where, those, yeah. where this will it, when, the, when the dust settles and it all boils down and it distills all the way down to the absolute basic nuts and bolts, it has to solve a problem for somebody. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, I would argue that its value is inherently tied to promotion. Now, if it solves like the... the or pump and dumps. Promotion and pump and dumps, but they go hand in hand. Those are as exactly. old as, yeah. as wealth. Yep. creation and wealth removal. So what was what attracted me to the Ethereum side of things was I started noticing all of these, and so many of these different coins or tokens, they're built on this thing called the Ethereum network. Oh, wait a minute. What's that? Right? Like that has value and it's got a lot of value, but it doesn't exist without the thing underneath it. So, hmm, you know, let's take a look at that. And then you have, you have the approach where there's like the two big ones, there's um, Ether and then there's Bitcoin. And then there's like the altcoins and then the, the S coins as some of these YouTuber guys are talking about. Um, the swear word that I can't say. Oh, oh got it, trash so, coins. Yeah. And, so they, they seem to fit in these generalized buckets. Um, the altcoins, there are some, there's one I looked at, which uh, it's, it's got a spectacular idea where you just plug these different types of coins in and you can pop out another one, like a universal translator from Star Trek, but the crypto version. That's going to have legs because it's needed. It's necessary. It solves a really big problem. Whether it gets off the ground or not, who knows? Um, their dev team is diligent and plotting along. So sooner or later, they're gonna get somewhere from where they're at. That's how software development works. Um, and then I look at some of these other ones, like I've read two to three hours worth of information on this, this coin, this token, it's worth 200 million in market cap what the hell does it do? I still can't figure this out. I'm a reasonably intelligent guy, not supremely, but I still can't figure this out. So should we put a couple bucks into it? Should we put a lot more money into it? No. The other day I was, um, uh, who was it? I think it was Bankless interviewed Mark Cuban and I'm super, give myself a little pat on the back. I feel really similarly to Mark Cuban. If if he can't see what problem it solves or how it answers the what's in it for me question, he won't invest in it. If he can't explain it to somebody from soup to nuts, not, well, it, it does whatever. And he has to be able to explain it in absolute crystal clear detail, he won't invest in it. And I'm still, since I'm newish to this, you know, I've, 
that from my business background, it's not extensive or anything like that, but I've started companies that have failed. I've started companies that have succeeded and everything in between. And at the end of the day, the way that you make money is the easiest way to make money is to create value for other people. So you don't sit, wake up in the morning, I want to make a bunch of money. That's foolish. I, I just giggle when I talk to people like that. I'm like, we're done talking because I'm never going to get the next five minutes back in my life and I'm going to go move on and do something else. But if you think you're going to like the get rich quickly scheme is ridiculous. It is truly ridiculous. It is if people only realize how easy it is to get rich slowly. Now, it sounds like a ridiculous point, but it's easy to get rich slowly. You wake up in the morning, you figure out a, bit, a problem that needs to be solved. You solve the heck out of it. You go find a bunch of people who have that problem. And turns out the bigger the problem, the more money they'll pay you. That is the foundation of how to start a business. Do you not think that Bitcoin solves a certain problem? Yeah, it does. Do you, um, do you think it is not a big enough problem or do you think that uh, something like ether? What's the problem first? Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, is there, is there a problem that Bitcoin solves? Like, yeah, but I think they're soft right now. I, I, it's decentralized. It's currency that you can't be taken away from you. It's, it's a bunch of things. But what does it do for me? What problem does it actually solve for me or for my business? And I don't have an absolutely crystal clear answer to that as of yet. Does it make something work faster, better, more reliably, more? The answer to that is yes. There's some yeses to that. Mm -hmm. Like you can send me Bitcoin, I can get Bitcoin and bing, bang, boom. Like the payment can happen very, very quickly. Well, PayPal does the same thing. And the US dollar, God forbid the word fiat currency, like I do get that. Um, and part of my brain, which is way out in the future says, yes, this is where it's going. Um, but PayPal does the same thing for me in US dollars or Venmo or the one that starts with a Z. Um, mm -hmm. Those types of things accomplish that. What, what I don't see yet is I can hold a wallet on my phone crypto wallet or on my laptop and I can I still need a bank to what do you call it the on-ramp for fiat yeah yeah so I need a bank a, like a physical chartered bank or licensed bank to get the money into the magic computer or the magic phone and I can transfer the money back and forth and then I need a bank to get the money out um, that still involves the how does Bitcoin, how is it better than PayPal? Using PayPal as an example, that's all. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm still struggling with that. Yeah, I would, I would say it's tougher for, for the three of us to see that value proposition just because we have access to the world's financial services. And you know, for the people who don't have access to a bank, whole other ball of wax, right? Mm -hmm. But remember I said, what's in it for me? What's in it for somebody in, in Africa where they don't have organized lending and financial institutions or, or God help the people who are 800% inflation, Argentina, like all of those types of, yeah, you're, or, you can't build wealth. It's not a matter of maybe or try harder. You cannot, it is removed from you faster than you possibly acquire wealth. Yeah. So for that use, to me, it's a use case. Um, for that use case, bingo. You just solve the problem. You, you knocked it into the stratosphere. Sell your artwork, sell your goats, sell your cars, your house, plug it all into Bitcoin. And I don't know what to do after that. I don't know where you live. Can't eat your goat, it's already sold. But at that point, you're not losing. One of these countries was losing they printed trillion dollar bills or something like that. It was thousands of they were hyperinflated beyond belief. Thousands of percent, right? And Germany too, probably back 
when oh, before whatever. Yeah. yeah. So that type of environment, look, I'm not a finance person, but I don't know what you do in that type of environment to not die. You know, you would have to take some, some incredibly aggressive, extreme actions to just not lose your entire family. Uh, the start, mm. you know? And, yeah. And a follow-up question. Um, do you, do you understand why some people would invest in something that protects them against inflation? So like gold, for instance. Yeah, but gold's nasty. How do you, how do you store it? Transporting it is terrible. It's what, 80 pounds of uh, brick or something? Like you can't, how's that person in Zimbabwe gonna go out and buy gold? There's no bank to buy it from. Yeah, exactly. You know, like that's not, a, it's a non-starter. You could talk about it from like the, the, um, the ridiculous, first world position, but it's a non-starter. You can't do it. Bring, it doesn't, doesn't work. Bringing it to you though. So Zimbabwe, yeah, there's a lot of things to discuss there, but what is Bitcoin to you and how does it impact you with your question, right? And yeah. what value? So I think uh, what John might've been getting at is, do you invest in gold? No. Do you think there's value in that to uh, that type of asset and holding that asset? And no, I have no interest in that. Um, the gold for me, the only thing that gold does for me is probably make motherboards run faster or some type of, of the proverbial Taiwan semiconductor thing. And it works incredibly well as a filter for astronaut space shields staring into the sun. Um, those are the two use cases for me. Otherwise, it, it I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm quite ignorant on this, I'm sure, but I, I wouldn't know how that would impact the life of a regular schmoll. So as someone who has been really quite successful in life and is continually continually growing your success in businesses, um, something you. that- nice you to say. I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something that I, I'm just learning about too as, as I'm beginning to build my own professional career and my own personal wealth is how do I think about storing value that I've earned and what are the best type of vehicles for me to invest them in, right? And I think something interesting that's fascinating to me that really gripped my attention at least for what is the value that Bitcoin not only does for many people in the unbanked world or the the hyperinflated, corrupt government, centralized yeah. bank world. What does it do for me? The idea of a store of value that is one nearly just divisible beyond belief to eight decimal points right now. And uh, so basically one Bitcoin is one Satoshi, uh, is a hundred million Satoshis and a Satoshi is 0. 0.000000001 Bitcoin. And okay. so- that's cool. And so technically, oh, so yeah, so basically a Bitcoin is actually not really anything. It's really a Satoshi and a Bitcoin is a hundred million Satoshis, but we just have put that value on it and called it a Bitcoin. One okay. day we can have a micro Bitcoin, ultra Bitcoin, et cetera. So with that, the thing that's curious is, this is something that I really nerd out about is reading the ascent of money and, and books like the Bitcoin um, standard, right? Yeah, 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 by, yeah, by Amos. And something that really opened my eyes in a certain way of like, oh, what is just currency? What is this, this thing in which we use to transact? Like, what is money? And why is gold out of every asset that is there, silver, copper, any type of ore, et cetera, elements, why is gold that that standard that was so here until one of the 1970s and such as the world's reserve currency. And something that's interesting is gold was one, basically immutable. You can't really copy and paste it. You can't recreate it, you yeah. can't fake it. Yeah, it doesn't degrade. Um, there's all those, it's got some serious benefits to it. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. And then two. Scarce, exactly. extraordinarily rare massive amounts of energy to to mine it hey wait are we talking about gold or something else We're talking about gold oh it's gold not yeah. bitcoin okay no yeah. no no and so gold has on average right a two percent inflation rate per year 
of the amount of ore that is that is extracted. So there's a finite supply, but you can always increase the resources to mine. And if you really want to increase it or decrease, it. but overall, it's at an average of 2% inflation per year with regards okay. to how much is extra. And then three, why did it become something that, in my opinion, it kind of like got debased as the currency is because it was not easily transferable. No. Yeah. So the opposite of that. You need an armored car. You need people with guns. Exactly. You know. Yeah, exactly. And so something with that is, um, I'm trying to remember right now, there's like, there's like a, x y and z axis to what creates a currency like a it's a store of value it's infinitely divisible and it's easily um, um exchangeable across distances mm -hmm. and so gold has two of those three because it's really hard to transfer across yeah, sure. distances and so that that's something to me that i've been looking for something that one isn't as as a hedge for what I'm investing my hard-earned cash with, what is it that I can trust will not ever have a governmental hand or a central bank that can just pull a lever and inflate by $1.8 trillion in X amount of time, debase a currency by 40% in a year and it still hasn't propagated into our society. How do I store some of my fiat, God forbid, right? In something that is arguably a hedge to centralized governance, which I truly believe has actually been a really good thing in many, many ways. So I'm not saying that centralized governance or fiat is a bad thing, but I just think about it in that, that picture of how do I think about finding an asset that isn't gold, because I don't really have that ability to buy and hold gold. I don't have a safe, I may buy some gold someday, to be honest, but I don't have any gold right now. But what is something that I can purchase that isn't just a security of the gold index that is one, non, not really inflationary. Gold is inflationary though by 2%. To ease, like basically the currency thing we just talked about. So Bitcoin to me was the first time I'd ever heard of something that one, infinitely divisible to the eight decimal places. Two, is instantly transferable across countries and ge geographies instantly. It's an abstraction on our globalized payment system and doesn't need the SWIFT or ACH or SPAY network in Mexico or whatever yeah. else. And then three, there's um, it, it's, it counts as a store of value, right? So, okay, I want to ask. Oh, sorry, I forgot about the inflation part. And okay. the last part is it's deflationary. So unlike gold, which is being mined and you can always add more resources, even there's a fixed amount, you can still discover a new quarry and you can actually be like, oh God, we just found a whole nother X supply. Right. So Bitcoin to me was that extra check mark of 21 million Bitcoin will ever be mined ever, finite period. I don't care about proof of work. I don't care about proof of stake right now. Let's just talk about that supply. That's baked in, that's like a rule. And the thing that I think is cool is Fun, fun little trivia question. Do you know how many Bitcoin are currently created, mined, or in the ecosystem oh, wow. of that 21 million? What's the guess? Six million. Okay. So right now, as of today, it's about 18.5 to 18.7 million, plus or minus a million. Does that include the people that lost it? So that is fascinating. That includes the people that lost it. And if oh, you really think that. about people that have had hard drives of hundreds of thousands, yeah. There's estimated, from what I've read, about three to six million Bitcoin that will and forever be lost. Yeah. Like three million right now, up to six million is the guesstimate for to 2140, where the last Bitcoin will ever be mined. Or, you know. Yeah, but a whole bunch is going to be lost between now and then. Exactly. Too. So if we're just saying that, right, 18.5 million. That's the deflationary part of yeah. Bitcoin. Yeah. And that's it's informally deflationary because people do crazy things. Yeah. So here's, here's what I'm wondering. With Bitcoin having all of that value and all of these things, this reads to me like a marketing brochure. That somebody wrote a marketing brochure saying that I, Mike Neal, declare from the mountaintops that this thing that you can't hold, can't touch, can't taste, can't eat, can't sniff, has value, here's how much the value is. 
And but how does it have value? Well, because I just told you it does. And because someone else is willing to pay it that much for it. Right. So, which is totally different because if you tell me it has value and I'm like, okay, great. What can I do with this? I can't do anything with it, but somebody else is willing to pay me for it, give it to them. That obviously helps. What I, I just, what I don't understand is for most of the world in the traditional banking industry, does it have enough advantages to knock out the traditional method of paying for things or storing value? And I think that's a continuum. It's not a yes or no answer. If you're in a traditional banking industry without hyperinflation, it's a much harder use case. If you're in Zimbabwe, you're like, man, I'll buy rays of sunshine if you can put them in a bottle for me and we're all good. If I can buy shampoo. Yeah, exactly. Like any anything would have been better than that. So that that I see is like a, a not a demand continuum, but perhaps a desire continuum all the way from give me what you got. I'll take every amount of it um, to this is marginally competitive to what I have now. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, so I have two points in response to um, totally, totally great question. Uh, the first is, I don't think it needs to replace traditional banks. They yeah. work totally fine. Credit cards work. Totally it won't fine. whether they want it to or not, it's not going to work like that. Yeah. Like they won't go willingly. Yeah. If we're, <laughs> if we're buying coffee, am I going to want to spend $50 for a Bitcoin transaction to buy a $4 coffee? Like, yeah. No, that's dumb. Yeah. So the, the expectation is not that we're going to completely reinvent financial services, although I think parts of it uh, is, is going to change. Another discussion. Uh, but then the second, the second thing is we're like, what we're doing is we're questioning this idea of a government, some kind of central authority, issuing currency, printing currency, uh, because when you look at when you look at it in terms of transparency, how much Bitcoin is there going to be in circulation at this point in time? We know that. Yeah. How many U.S. dollars are there going to be two years from now? The yeah, amount money supply, right? What is it going to be in next years? The, the the thing that I'd like to throw out there for you guys is like, what makes the U.S. dollar? I'm just picking on that. Um, what makes it valuable? Well, the economy, the country, the this, the that, the other thing. But, and then there's a whole oil debacle, like the valuation attached to oil and all of that. But at the end of the day, what makes it valuable is that America has the biggest military in the world. If you look all the way down the line, it comes down to force. Go back to the caveman days. You have something I want. I have a bigger club. I know how to use my club. I bonk you on the head. I take what you want or what I want and off we go, right? That's the horrible part of this. The, the American dollar, as long as, and this is possibly not going to happen, but as long as the, the military will still have gas in the tanks or whatever it is to be powerful, will always have value. It can't be devalued at some extreme level because the military stops that from happening. If the American dollar decided to crash, you could go take somebody else's stuff to prop them up. Mm -hmm. And not, I'm not, trust me, I'm not a proponent of that. I'm just saying that's reality. So on the Bitcoin side of things, there is no um, force mechanism for that. And I'm not saying that it's necessary. Um, it just doesn't exist as part of the equation. It's not part of the equation. Yeah, uh, so follow-up question to that, which you're right. That's a big part of why the US dollar is valuable. That's why that's why we have a global pandemic and then the US dollar goes up relative to other currencies. Yeah, the British Navy was, the, the British pound sterling was the big kahuna because they had the largest Navy. They had the military. They, it's force tied to, I mean, it's not pretty. It's not in the proverbial marketing brochure, but that's reality. Yeah, uh, so- uh, horrible but 
Yeah, uh, so I have two follow-up questions. Number one, what happens if we abuse that and print $10 trillion in 12 months? Uh, and then number two, yeah. we've had different world reserve currencies. It was the British pound. Before that was like the lira, it's like German or something. It, it happens. The point if, is it switches. Yeah. It's it, not, there's instability in the very nature of the fact that it can change, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens if the US dollar is not the world's reserve currency? Like if we, I mean, the, the obvious answer is we lose a lot of our lending and borrowing privileges, uh, but yeah. That won't happen. That won't happen quickly. Um, I'm not even, I mean, I just got my American citizenship. I'm Canadian originally, so I'm uh, uh, quite happy with coming to the country and how, how I've been able to be successful in this environment. So huge fan. But the institutions that cause all of this fiat to be available, they're not going away willingly. Like you, you just can't, in, in the Bitcoin world, People just write them off. It's not going to happen without kicking and screaming. And who knows what it will be. It, I don't believe it's going, it's a zero sum game. I think it's this, what is it? The traditional centralized finance, not DeFi, the opposite, the traditional finance, the uh, Wells Fargo branch in front of our economy practice. And then you've got the DeFi world which is going to grow at a smoking rate. Decentralized finance. Yeah, mind-blowing growth coming that way. Um, that's one of the things I'm so excited about with Ethereum. Like, if only that takes off, you know, it doesn't even have to do much of anything else. But why can't you have both, right? Reality isn't always the black and white that, uh, the, what is it, the maxis, the maximalists, the Bitcoin maximalists, or the Ethereum maximalists. There's, there's all kinds of shades of gray. And I'm not usually a person to think in terms of the shades of gray, but they're not going to go away voluntarily. And on the other hand, you look at, for humanity, you've got the use cases. So why do I still help me bank at Wells Fargo? Because I have a bank machine. Real green bills come out of the bank machine. And they make me be a member in order to get those real green bills out. And everything they do to switch a bank is so inconvenient. I, I would rather do virtually any, I'd rather clean toilets than switch a bank any given day. It's horrible. So how, how does the Bitcoin and the crypto community look at this problem and say it's all or none? I don't, I don't understand that. I just want to clarify that I, I, am confident or i've done research to be confident in the long-term potential of bitcoin and crypto and i am personally uh, invested some in bitcoin yeah. uh, but i don't i don't necessarily see ethereum as not a part of that and, and and for me for me it's just i like bitcoin makes a lot more sense to me uh for me the holdup with ethereum was a few things like the first was that there's there's no there's no limited supply uh, that may change with the with the upcoming update and the change to proof of stake yeah uh, which kind of leads leads me to the second point uh, and my it will it will change but it's not there yet it's not there yet right. and and it leads me to my second hesitation. it would actually have to actually occur in order right. to and the miners would have to adopt it and then yeah. Uh, the, the second thing is that, is that that's a fundamental change when the, the, the way that mining happens, like how that's flipped happens. on its head. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a different paradigm. I'm not saying it's not going to work or I'm, 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 I'm saying there are reasons why, like totally understandable. There are reasons why, uh, the, the developer Ethereum community is pushing for it. Uh, for me, it's it's more of a no-brainer for me to bet on the the 
Bitcoin, Bitcoin that is that is tested has been working for eleven plus years, and is not going to change that much. Uh, like the the you mean the, the infrastructure of Bitcoin isn't going to change that much because the price fluctuates like like a yo-yo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what are some recent improvements to Bitcoin? There's a method that you can run when you run the Bitcoin nodes, where you can see exactly how many Bitcoin there are in the network yeah. at that time. That's cool. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't count dollar bills in the network. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, there was a change that it was a difference with how the uh, how the blocks were organized, so that you could fit more transactions in a block. Yeah. Uh, there was a change where you could have, uh, it could, you could create wallets where you needed two parties to uh, have private keys in order to send a transaction. A multi-sig. Mm -hmm. What's it called? A multi-sig, multi-signatory wallet. Something. Okay. So, so there have been these software updates to Bitcoin, but the, the core, every 10 minutes, there's another block. Well, perhaps the power of Bitcoin is in the infrastructure stability, the predictability, the extensibility. You know what's happening in 21, whatever. So your whole Bitcoin um, conceptual, the Bitcoin concept fits in a box of the bullet. Yeah. And then any improvements are Mark, nice to incremental, have. Right. Yeah. And then... Uh, they're tweaks. They're the, not revolutionary. Like and proof the, of stake, mm -hmm. fifteen fifty nine. That's not a tweak. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know that's right upside down. Yeah, fifteen fifty nine. And the big, the big uh, improvements to the network are layer two solutions, which, which, still like Bitcoin's still going to run as it always has been, but it's going to be built on top of it, and and mm -hmm. uh, like that. Like my understanding of that makes sense to me. I'm not saying Ethereum is not going to be useful. Like there are there are real products, and there's a lot of a uh, there's a developer community around it. I just don't know where it'll be a hundred years from now. Like for me, Bitcoin just makes sense. And so personally, I am not invested in Ethereum or ETH Ether, uh, and it's just because it's a little bit less known for me. And like, my goal is just to beat the S&P 500. And so. Mm -hmm. But I think, I think what you've pointed out is the, um, the conceptual stability and predictability of Bitcoin, the rarity has some level of value to a lot of people. Um, and maybe that's the foundation of the store of value because you can predict where this is going to be at. You can't predict the price, but up until recently, you can predict it's going up. Um, however, almost everybody that I've talked to who has Bitcoin could absolutely care less about the price. Like I'm talking about could care less because over time, they're all convinced it's going up and the supply is fixed at a maximum level, it is lost all the time by people throwing their laptops into the garbage. Um, so it's, it's not deflationary, like Ethereum will probably end up, but it kind of is because there's less and less and less of it. So what's the difference? It's just, it's nomenclature. You say potato, I say potato. You want to know one other extra fun thing? What? Do you know about the halving? A little bit of that, yeah. So that that's like the what the four year cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the whole nother next ball of wax with that. On the, but that's what it does, and it fits in a box the bowl on it. On the Ethereum side of things, it wants to be the store with all the boxes with all the bowls, and you open the box and there's a new thingy in there, a new DAP that does something, and it is valuable enough that people would pay to walk out with that box with the bowl on top of it. They're two different things. Mm -hmm. Like they're two completely different use cases. You buy Bitcoin, you keep it, 
you do absolutely nothing with it. You don't think about it. You don't obsess about it. You don't do any of that stuff. It just is. And on the Ethereum side of things, you pay a stupid amount of money for the gas fees because it's fundamentally not working properly, not working like it in an optimal fashion. And you got all these developers who are frantically banging out the code to stop that from happening and make it cheaper. And then they, they're going to the um, proof of stake instead of work where you're not going to have to employ uh, an entire hydroelectric dam to mine all of this stuff, right? Like, thank God for that. Um, and then you have to convince a whole bunch of people that there's enough value in it to stake the money, to provide the security for the blockchain. Um, these are two, these are apples and oranges. And we're, why is an apple so much better than an orange? Because I like apples better. You like oranges better. Who cares? They're both fruit. Like, I, I take them both. I buy them both and I eat them both. Not at the I, same time. <laughs> I'm, in, I'm invested in both at the same time. Yeah, so there's something that you brought up that's really interesting to me about that whole point is why Bitcoin, if Ethereum is this amazingly innovative and building yada yada and has so much going on for it. Well, that's, that's, my, that's why my dumb money has flowed into Ethereum instead of Bitcoin. Um, I think that in all likelihood, the, what my, my entrepreneurial gut says is if you can get into Ethereum at what was like 3000 up until the flush from a couple of days ago. Ugh. Um, so let's say, let's pick a number 3000 versus what was, uh, 45,000 on Bitcoin. 15x return on Ethereum gets it to the Bitcoin level. A 15x on Bitcoin gets it to the, let's throw a parade level, right? So what are the chances, if I, if I got a 15x return on Bitcoin versus a 15x return on Ethereum, what are the chances either of those two happen? And my bet and my guess is on Ethereum and keep in mind, I don't have a preference per se for these coins. I'll never hold either of them. I can't eat them. Um, the Bitcoin is, a, to me, a specialist use case that is incredibly specific and incredibly successful for achieving an extremely narrow goal, extraordinarily narrow, which is buy it, hold it, go up. Use it. Okay. Yeah, there's uses for it. And in areas where they don't have the banking, the value prop is obscenely high compared to when you have access to banking where your bank's not gonna steal your money or otherwise. And then on the Ethereum side of things, you have the ability to, to do a couple things now, a bunch of things tomorrow, a ton of things next week, and an unimaginable amount of things a year or two from now. Yeah, I think it's also though, you have to be careful. I also think there is a lot of caution sign that should be put up too because- this is crypto, there's no caution. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, I think Ethereum, the way in which I kind of see it is Bitcoin is really focused on security long-term stability and it's been there for 12 years which is 100 eternities in crypto yeah right. yeah so ethereum is kind of the bad boy on the block the 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 child that's kind of the the scientist that's testing and it, it is a gamble like they're both gambles crypto and blockchain are gambles in a way but one has a bit more just maturity consistency and long-term vision of this is what i am this is my value proposition. These are the people I help in unbanked countries. And I give you guys 12 words that you have to memorize and you can go anywhere in the world and you don't get a press. Yeah. Then the other part is Ethereum and then even these other altcoins, you have a massive fork coming up, proof of work to proof of stake. That causes a lot of security loopholes if we wanna talk about security vulnerabilities that might come. If we wanna talk about energy and sustainability, okay, I understand like 
maybe we're all super coal efficient right now and you know oh no but yeah. but proof of stake is not perfect there are security flaws that i don't fully understand that i'm still learning about but they're researching and developing a lot of things but the ecosystem while it is the most mature of the protocols that have smart chain smart contract technology abilities built on it and all the different dapps and such it is still a bit more of a gamble in my eyes at least for my hedge against fiat even though i do hold fiat too in a certain way of of my equity disbursements because of different trust i think of yeah and as far as the value i would argue that it's 10 times more risky than bitcoin and you know why i would argue that because it's about 10 times less cost than bitcoin the market already has figured this in it's about it's about the market in terms of market cap it's about 40 percent. no the price per coin i'm not Are talking you? about the market cap i'm not as as concerned about that one ether is let's say three thousand versus third call it ten times for easy math um if what you were saying wasn't true it'd be similarly priced what i was saying about if the risk the risk it, it is higher risk there's no doubt they don't have their stuff i don't think they would be similarly priced due to the amount of supply of ethereum there's a hundred billion ethereum i'm forgetting the supply there's 21 million bitcoin okay granted it would be worth more. Ethereum has a level of risk to it. There's no doubt. They're about to do two things that are going to massively move the needle one way or the other. I don't know which. Probably to the, they'll probably achieve their goals. But the one thing we can all take for, take to the bank um, is going to be a bumpy ride. Right? Absolutely. It's not going to be like, we'll roll this update out. And, oh my God, it all worked perfectly. Mm -hmm. There's going to be craziness in some level and i love the fact that they're open about they're quite transparent um and they the the development community wow they're responsive like they're humming along but this thing was supposed to happen how who knows how long ago right it hasn't happened yet so they have to this is a imagine it's a company um james wang the arc invest x analyst just put out this uh Oh, spectacular, truly mind-blowing. He put out a press release from the Ethereum Corporation. This was made up that listed their quarterly returns. And I read it and I thought, oh, I've got to just look through the couch cushions and put all the spare change into Ethereum. He's, he's very bullish on deal. Yeah, he said it, his pinned tweet is, this is the last investment you'll ever have to make. Mm -hmm. So you read that and you're like, okay, well, look, I can't take his advice without some level of like grain of salt because that's an not a maximalist it's an extremist it's a zealot type position in real life right outside of crypto so is he wrong i think he's more right than he is wrong on this and this has to do with the tesla thing we talked about in the last podcast you look at all is tesla an ai company in my mind it's not a car company that's why the valuation is higher but the, the Wall Street hasn't figured out that the valuation should be much, much higher. And what's going to happen with Tesla is Wall Street's going to figure this out. It won't be a hidden secret for too much longer. And they're going to rapidly rise up in terms of their value. It, Ether's going to do the same thing. And it has to do with the total addressable market. If you look at this as a corporation, these Ether people, things, coins, tokens, I don't care what it is, they have... They can solve a gazillion problems and people are already paying a stupid amount of money to solve those problems way more than it's worth right like you want to send ether to somebody using one of those things that i don't understand they're gonna charge you 50 bucks or 100 bucks or a thousand bucks james wang was on uh, twitter saying he just sent ether to somebody and cost him a thousand bucks wow well that is unsustainable if they don't fix it the whole thing's gone someone else will come along right chomping at their heels and and take them out so to me the the thing that got me so excited about ether is the number of problems they can solve the speed at which they can solve them the fact that a problem a business problem or uh not a personal problem that's the wrong term but for like joe blow could be solved 
in a way that slams the door shut, locks it, nails the whole door shut, and then drywalls over it. You don't even know there's a door. Like it solves it that, that completely. Most of that doesn't exist yet, but it will probably, maybe, hopefully. So if that occurs, Squish Chaos, that med student did a 79 page paper and I read every, every word of it. He was predicting $150,000 even. God bless him, man. Like talk about reaching for the stars. That's, uh, if it happens, terrific. I'm buying drinks at the next round, but- uh, Let's hold it to it. All right, smart contract that, <laughs> All right, there it is. Deposit some ETH in there, write a smart contract, let's go, mint it. If I knew how to do that, we definitely would. But is it reasonable to think that what that's what the potential outcome is? He calculated it as somewhere around, is like under $20 trillion in market cap. So I looked up, is that even $20 trillion? That's such an abstract number. What is, is that even possible? Are there $20 trillion in the world? <laughs> There's 1.25 quadrillion dollars in the world. I don't know what a quadrillion is. It's substantially more than a trillion. So, so is that number ridiculous? If Ethereum and the Ethereum ecosystem and the blockchain can solve most of the problems that they think that they can solve over, this is not a year or two, this is years, of development, and no, I don't think it is. And why would I say that? Well, because the guy on YouTube, whose name I can't remember, who bought a $4 million Xbox because he paid in Bitcoin and the modern value of the Xbox that he paid in Bitcoin with is $4 million. And my buddy, Mark, shout out to Mark, who used to buy pizza in Bitcoin and he won't tell me how many Bitcoin he sold. So I don't ride his ass. The 10,000 Bitcoin pizza? Yeah, he, <laughs> buy, he bought pizza. He and his friend bought pizza in Bitcoin and they forgot, the best thing that ever happened to them is they forgot that they have Bitcoin. I love it. And they were able to recover it. Uh, probably the only ones who could like, go seven years <laughs> and forgot about Bitcoin and could recover it. But they, you go back to three guys on a couch talking about Bitcoin before you could even record a podcast on video, you would need the guy from the TV station to come down with the camera, you know, to record something like this. And there were no podcasts. You flash back to that. That was as crazy a conversation as we're having now. Right? So I have the advantage slash, in my case, advantage slash disadvantage of being older than you guys. And I remember how crazy it was that some idiot predicted that the internet was going to basically take over the world and people like, man, I don't know what illegal substance you're smoking, but I don't even want any of it because you're so crazy. You know, that's how the internet was. That's how this new crypto thing is going to be. But what we don't know is how it's going to manifest. I, I'm certain that the reason I'm investing in it so heavily, I'm 100% certain this is going to be a life-changing event. Or not for, just for me, because who cares about me? The average schmo on an average street in America, this is going to change their life in ways we can't predict yet, the same way that the internet changed our lives. And for the people in developing countries, 100x, 1000x, 10,000x life-changing event. Like imagine you're, you're in Africa, I pick on Africa, but imagine you're in a developing country and you can borrow money without somebody coming to steal your kids when you don't pay them back. Not steal them, they're yours now, they're property, right? Like these things, like the fellow we saw in the, the fellow from Ghana, James, yeah. James, he was a six year old child slave. And this guy, we're talking to him, we're having an actual conversation with a slave. Did anybody stop and this happened to us here. Did, did anybody stop and reflect on the fact that we're talking to a slave? Dude, that was so much to take in. Yeah. And the fact we talked to a slave. This isn't the history books. This wasn't from the 1800s. This isn't about black reparations in America. This is a guy that we actually all talked to who was a slave. 
for like seven years. Right. We, we experienced a time machine in America. Yeah. That's what we just went through was an absolute bona fide, legit time machine. We flipped the history books back and talked to one of those people in the history books. So our reality of this financial institution stuff and his reality were separated by about 150 years. And that's what we just went through. So I'm looking at this crypto universe and saying that for the developing world, it's flip-flopped. It's the upside down pyramid. The developing world has less of a need for it. We're using it to store wealth. What a terrific problem. We have wealth. What the hell do we do with it? These guys are trying to figure out how not to die by Friday. Now they can use it for things that we not only don't care about, we, we absolutely take for granted. Right? There's enough food in that fridge over there to feed a family for who knows how long. And most likely when we leave, it's going to be given to whoever's driving because we don't want to throw it away. So when we apply the first world viewpoint on this crypto, it's so much for the wealth creation slash wealth uh, well, expansion. It's really what it is. We're all wealthy compared to everyone else in the world anyway. And on their side, it will lift them out of poverty if they, you know, if they have their act together, right? So that part alone, like if, if all of the things I'm talking about only happen in the developing world, Ethereum will continue to rise. Bitcoin will continue to rise. It's not going to go smoking through the roof or anything like that. But nobody's going to complain about the return on it because it'll still be great, right? If any of this stuff gets legs and takes off, then Bitcoin at thirty thousand will be the steal of the century. Ether at three thousand, you'll look back and be like, "Man, we should have sold that microphone to buy some ether, right?" Threw it on eBay to get a couple bucks. So that is when I'm looking at crypto. That's on feeling. Amazing. I honestly, I feel like we could probably go for hours and maybe a few more after that and even go deeper, but yeah, that is probably one of the best places we could probably put a pin in it. And until lucky I'm, number 13, right? Episode 13. Yes. And awesome. I'm sure we'll probably keep talking about it again someday. Yep. The rabbit hole continues. And with that, anything you want to, yeah, we'll need to do an update. In a couple of months. Love I think that. guys are all broke. Yeah. <laughs> we gambled and we messed it up. Mike, is there anything you wanna you wanna say to our one or two listeners or uh, <laughs> anything you wanna promote to them? Please, anything. Yeah, you have your own XYZs, right? Yeah, software company, buildmyteam.com. That's my promotional thing. Um, we created a way to hire people without using resumes and works better than any other way I've done it. But uh, yeah, we'll see where this, this crypto thing goes. It's getting a lot of high-end attention from governments now, which means you're absolutely on to something. You are 100% off. There's value there. It's tremendous. There's so much value that it's threatening the monopolistic society that currently exists and the world order. So strap in. Yeah, but that's when you know you're on to something. You hit the absolute nail on the head. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how this turns out. Cool. Whether Bitcoin or Ethereum even exists in a couple of years, who knows? But uh, yeah, crypto, 100% uh, certain, is here to stay. And hopefully, it's nice if we all get wealthier by by uh, our standards. But what will be just the greatest gift ever is if the people who don't have anything. Um, get to the point where they have something and get to the point where they have many things and can start to have generosity and everybody gets out of this horrible, horrible cycle. That's my scoop. You're amazing. You guys are better. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be real. No, no, no. Um, anyways, I think that's going to do it for today. 
Thank you everybody so much for tuning into episode 13 of the Moon Tea Podcast with John Kim, Dr. Mike, M -m -m Mike, and Hubert. Here we are. Thank you again. We talk about craft, community, building meaningful careers, and honestly, crypto and electrical vehicles and electricity and the future of whatever and who knows whatever and yada, yada, yada. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Till next week. See ya. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun, man. Thank you.